Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now Podcast channel. Our conversation will bring you up to speed on a range of developments within the Beltway and beyond. Uh, joining me for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So, Shane, thank you for joining us here on a Thursday afternoon. Looking forward to catching up and hearing about what's happening in the world. Thanks, Dan. Good to be with you as always. So, Shane, unfortunately, we've entered, I believe it's officially the one-month mark since the beginning of the Russia-Ukraine war, and we've been tracking the devastating humanitarian toll that this conflict has yielded. And we have seen this week President Biden, he has traveled to Europe to meet with NATO allies at an official summit to address the ongoing conflict. I believe the president did speak today, did address the press. So what has the president's itinerary consisted of? And from what we know as of today, Shane, what steps are NATO member nations taking in order to de-escalate this war and deter use of chemical weapons or weapons of mass destruction, which unfortunately we've been hearing that that could perhaps be a possibility? Yeah, no, you're you're correct. We just saw uh, President Biden kind of uh, address uh, reporters about and give an update for these meetings of uh, NATO members. And, you know, I think one of the most important things for them is, you know, not necessarily, you know, making concrete statements. It's showing unity uh, amongst NATO. I think uh, Vladimir Putin was thinking that maybe this would divide NATO, which would make it easy for him. But NATO uh, countries sticking together, you know, is a positive here. Um, it, it does not necessitate uh, concrete actions by NATO to really push back, but the pushback is, is um, you know, strength together. And so you, you're right. There were a bunch of different things. You know, uh, President Biden said he believes Russia should be removed from the G20, um, although there is speculation that, you know, uh, Russia could be, dropped from the G20 because the sanctions could um, mean that uh, Russia's uh, economy shrinks so much that it no longer qualifies to be in the G20. Um, and the question of weapons of mass destruction, whether that be uh, nuclear, tactical nukes, uh, biological, uh, so on, is, is, uh, is a big topic. Um, President Biden has uh, indicated that there would be a response, you know, a a symmetrical response, you know, uh, to try and uh, uh, push back on Putin to to show that he should not go there. Um, you know, I think uh, President Biden has also taken some steps where, you know, uh, the U.S. is going to sanction some 300 members of the Duma, which is their um, parliament, the legislative body there. Um, this will continue. Um, I think you continue to see actions like this by the U.S. and other countries joining in. Um, so, you know, and of course, as, as you mentioned, there's the humanitarian side of all of this. You know, um, President Biden has committed the U.S. to um, accepting 100,000 Ukrainian refugees, a billion in assistance for um, humanitarian relief. And you're going to probably see more of this to come in the coming weeks and months, not only from the U.S., but these NATO members. So as we've discussed, there are many uh, facets to the war here. Um, and you're seeing the NATO membership amongst other countries, 
as well uh, come together and and you know keep uh, the pressure on Putin to, to back down. Now you know, the reality is is that you know something like sanctions are, are not going to um, deter uh, Vladimir Putin, but you know long term it makes it harder for him to sustain these efforts, uh, especially as you know the economy. Uh, starts to take a real hit in Russia. Well, uh, Shane, thank you for bringing us up to speed on what has unfolded over the past couple of days. It was encouraging to see some images of these NATO member country leaders coming together, forming a unified uh, stance response to this ongoing uh, devastating conflict. So hopefully that means that we're getting closer and closer towards some form of resolution or de-escalation. So uh, maybe sticking with geopolitics, Shane, we have been hearing headlines recently this surrounding the revival of the Iran nuclear deal, which dates back to uh, President Obama's term. Uh, What's behind that pivot recently, Shane? And what are the prospects of a deal being reinstated and what would terms consist of? Yeah, no, this is fascinating because, you know, for a variety of reasons. But, you know, if it wasn't for the war in Ukraine, you know, this would probably be more uh, forefront for us. You know, headline news, top of the fold versus, you know, on page two or three uh, of the newspaper. Um, so this is a big deal. You know, the Biden administration is uh, trying to salvage the Iran nuclear deal, which President Trump pulled uh, the U.S. out of during his uh, term in office. Um, the Biden administration, you know, essentially is saying at this point, you know, we're getting close. We're not there yet. While the um, Iran uh, negotiating team is signaling that, you know, this is very close to a done deal, but the, um, the U.S. Biden administration wants to, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. You know, there are still a lot of important uh, pieces to be negotiated. You know, on the home front, you know, this is not all uh, completely met uh, with enthusiasm. You have a lot of uh, detractors uh, in the U.S. who are very concerned that, you know, one, there's the agreement itself and that we should not be negotiating such a deal with Iran, but also the fact that, you know, this deal is being um, uh, mediated by Russia, China, and others. You know, at this time, you know, in the in the view of many, you know, Russia should not be involved in this um, and should be shunned. You know, for what's going for the air invasion in Ukraine. So that's just one aspect. But I think you're seeing um, this would be a you know a, could be a big win for the Biden administration. You know, he has presented himself, uh, you know, when he was running for office as kind of uh, bringing back diplomacy and a steady hand um, that would yield benefits in the international community. So, you know, the Biden administration and Democrats are hoping this will kind of um, start to lower tensions uh, and, you know, could be a model of success. Uh, for future uh, negotiations. This is one we'll, of course, want to track closely, so thank you for the update. I do want to come back stateside for a few moments and talk about the confirmation hearings uh, this week of Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, of course, President Biden's nominee to fill the Supreme Court of vacancy to be left uh, by current Justice Breyer. Now, the hearings did begin this week, and as we know, dating back to even as recently as uh, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, Merrick Garland, Brett Kavanaugh, these hearings can at times be contentious. So can you offer some background first, Shane, about uh, Judge Jackson, her credentials, and then maybe highlight some of what we saw from the hearings thus far this week? 
Yeah, I think for her credentials, she has uh, credentials to be nominated. You know, she uh, went to Harvard undergrad, Harvard Law School. She has uh, clerked um, on the Supreme Court along with, you know, the U.S. Circuit Court. Um, so she really has that resume um, leading up to her being a district court judge and for the past uh, year or so a, um, a circuit court judge. So that's, a, you know... A, a pretty good resume to be nominated. Um, you're seeing in these hearings, you know, a lot of attention being paid to different issues. And you're right, it has become a, a kind of a, a partisan hearing. You know, overall, though, I think um, Judge uh, Jackson has performed well and and she'll probably be confirmed in the upcoming weeks. You know, no senators disputed those credentials that I was uh, mentioning, or nor her temperament. Um, you know, she was persi- persistently questioned uh, by a few Republicans uh, about her rulings in, in child pornography cases. And while she didn't satisfy those uh, Republicans, she didn't lose any ground with the, the Democrats. So, you know, I think she's on a pathway forward to be confirmed uh, unless something new uh, has really turned up quickly. Um, I would expect by by in sometime in April she'll be confirmed. And also keep in mind that you know Judge Jackson is only 51 years old, and this is a lifetime appointment. So you know she will be on the court for you know uh, decades to come, likely. And you know uh, one thing we do know from looking through her history is that she's probably going to be a you know reliable progressive liberal uh, justice. Um, but, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. But at this time, you know, she's performed admirably and well enough to probably uh, be confirmed by the Senate. Thank you, Shane. Yeah, we'll see how this develops in the weeks to come. Uh, maybe one more topic, and this also ties into the Supreme Court. We have heard reports that Justice Thomas was hospitalized earlier this week. Uh, what do we know as of today? Yeah, he was hospitalized, I think, on March 19th, so just a few days ago. Um, it is not, it's flu-like symptoms that are being reported, but I've also read that, you know, um, he has tested negative for COVID. Other than that, it's, you know, kind of quiet. You know, traditionally, if you look, the Supreme Court um, usually is pretty quiet about the health of the justices. You know, um, a lot of times, actually, we found out after the fact, you know, sometimes months after the fact that the justice was ill. I think for uh, Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, it was months after she was treated for cancer that it was announced she had been treated for cancer. So there are some questions here about, you know, how how Justice uh, Thomas is actually doing at the moment. Um, you know, uh, actually, Justice Breyer, um, who is retiring, and that's why uh, Judge uh, Jackson is being um, uh, nominated in, uh, for his position. Um, he was caught um, coming out of a restaurant and, you know, made a quick quip that I think he's fine, uh, referring to Justice Thomas. So we'll see how it is. But, you know, there's not much um, known here. Um, you know, I think as, as we always do, we wish everyone 
uh, a healthy return to their jobs. Thank you, Shane. Yes, of course, we wish the best for Justice Thomas. So, Shane, thank you very much for dropping by the podcast today, for bringing us up to speed on a range of topics, uh, many of which we will indeed follow up on in the weeks to come. Uh, but wish you a nice weekend, Shane, and look forward to catching back up with you next week. Sounds good. Thank you for having me on, Dan, and I look forward to our next uh, time we get to catch up. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate it. And again today, we've been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So as a reminder to our listeners and their clients, please be sure to reference the latest Washington Weekly publication, which can be located on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. The Washington Weekly Podcast is part of the UBS In The Now Podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. The information in this discussion has been prepared by and reflects the opinions and various investment views of the speaker. UBS Financial Services, Inc. has not independently verified such information and does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. This information is being provided to you for your information purposes only and does not constitute a recommendation or an endorsement by UBS Financial Services, Inc. of the author, the securities, or views stated herein. Any specific security Securities discussed should not be considered a recommendation or solicitation to buy or sell any particular security. You should not assume that any investment in any of the securities was or will be profitable. UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, different in material ways. We are governed by different laws and separate arrangements it is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.